Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Nice. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. I am your other host, Susan Fox. And I'm Mike Price. I am the uh, writer of Four Color Bullet, comic book reviews for Krypton Radio. And with us today is a, a rather remarkable guest. Her, Her name, Highness. <laughs> <laughs> her, her name is Athena Finger, and we will tell you more about Athena as we go. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is a real treat. I was very surprised to discover you on Facebook. I saw I saw a panel of your artwork. You're doing uh, artwork commissions, uh, and uh, I saw the name and I couldn't believe it. You are uh, uh, go again in the family, so I kind of carried it on. <laughs> Although Bill was not a painter, uh, my dad was though, so I got it from him. <laughs> you know how you been watching the Batman movies or even the Justice League movie and they say Batman created by and yeah <laughs> yeah it's Athena is the granddaughter of Bill Finger the writer of the pair that created the original character Batman in 1939 and uh no is he the writer or the artist he was the writer okay he- a writer, but he um, really was a very visual person. And when Bob Kane had approached him with this character, it did not look like anything that we see today. It was uh, completely different. And Bill was the one that said, um, "If you're going to call the character Batman, you need to change the whole thing." <laughs> yeah, I, Bob Kane had something like uh, a guy in yellow tights and a red cape and. Oh, no. It was a red unitard with a little domino mask, blonde hair, big stiff wings that look like bat wings. Um, you know, he looked ridiculous. <laughs> something something you couldn't possibly fight in. No, but it also, like, didn't have anything to do with a bat other than the stiff wings. <laughs> yeah, stealth is not an option in that outfit. No, not bright red with blonde hair. No, yeah, and not... Not, neither is walking through doors without coming in sideways. <laughs> yes. That could be a problem, yes. Maybe, maybe he figured they, he could fly, like, kind of hang glide on those. So Some kind of concept like that. And so um, when Bob approached Bill, 
with the concept, though, was like, this has nothing to do with bats, so let's kind of change it up a little bit. So he did. He And, you know, Bob liked what he was hearing from Bill, and, you know, the rest is history. It certainly <laughs> is. And um, your grandfather's name was really not in the history books for a very long time. No, uh, we um, actually were able to uh, correct history with his story and with Batman's origin. Thank goodness. How did you manage to ram that one through? Um, well, I mean, there's there were a lot of factors that went into it. I had a lot of help. Um, timing played a really big role on it. Um, it was, you know, it's not that they didn't want to give him credit. It's just, you know, they needed the push. And so that's what it took was giving them the push. And, you know, it, that was really something that everybody wanted. So it happened. <laughs> well, that's finally. Good. Well, and it's like uh, Steve Ditko and and um, Stan Spider-Man, Lee. Spider Man, yeah. yeah. In Spider Man, you know, Steve D- Ditko was the artist who created the look, right. and Stanley was the guy who came up with the character. And uh, you know, it it it, it takes, takes two. Yeah, it takes a pair. It it, it takes a creative, uh, a creative coupling to come up with yeah. a, a character that has real staying power. So. Your father is also an artist. I mean, yes, he was. You were saying that before the show started that it, it sort of runs, in the, comic books run in the family. Um, I mean, I'm sure my grand, I'm sure my father read plenty of comics, but um, the art that he did was not really comic related. He was a painter. Mm-hmm. Um, he went from the medium of painting to the medium of food. So food really became his art. Huh. And culinary was really where he flourished and made, you know, something for himself. Well, everybody has to eat. Yeah, but it wasn't just enjoy. about the food. It was about the presentation of the food, the the aroma of the food, the, the experience of the food. Was he a restaurateur or was he a, a chef? He was a chef. He was self-taught. Um, he did have a restaurant with my mother when I was a little baby. Um, he did work in New York City for many, many, many years. Um, and, you know, that's really what he was passionate about, was how to make the next creation. Well, New York's the town for it, too. It was. It was definitely a time for it, especially in, you know, in the late 70s, 80s. Right. Oh, That's wow. when just I, when that the, whole the age of access things. and, and yeah. who can outdo the other person. <laughs> that was what that whole generation was about right there. Certainly was. And uh, and he really knew what he was doing. So creativity all the way through. <laughs> so and then we come to you. And when did you discover that you had ability with art? I've always I've always been drawing since I was a tiny child. Um, it's something that I always gravitated to. Uh, I went to art school for a little while in high school. Um, you know, it's just something that was always part of my life. And um, recently, you know, my son is older now. I have more time to do the things that I want to do now. Um, I've gone back to painting and I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, it's what I'm supposed to be doing with my time. <laughs> when I'm not in the classroom, that's what I'm usually doing. Painting. So um, when you say classroom, you don't mean as a student, do you? 
No, 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 no. I, I teach math to adults. So developmental math. So like pre-algebra, algebra one, um, at a local college. I've been doing that. This will be my eighth year. Um, I love it. I absolutely love teaching. So. <laughs> That's right at the point where, where our, my stepson is. <laughs> oh, yeah. If we lived near you, he'd have been in your class. Aw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, since it's a, a small college, I get uh, the ones that fell through the cracks in high school. Mm-hmm. I get the adults that are coming back and haven't seen math in a long time. Or I get the students who have never seen it at all because they never had to learn it in school because they're coming from another country or they're whatever age they are. They just didn't have to do it because they went a different route, whatever their story is. And so I really try to get um, these students to be engaged as much as possible because usually I have to deal with the fact that I teach math and there's a lot of fear and anxiety associated with fair with with doing math and and so it's something that i i try to help my students overcome which is a completely different subject <laughs> it's one of those forever if you want it's one of those things that uh it, if you're in that line of study if you if you don't get one aspect of it you're done I mean, you can't, you can't progress it beyond that. On itself. Yes. Yeah. It's all, it's all self-referential and very, very sequential. Unlike, uh, unlike art studies where you can take one path or take another path and, yes. and you can, you can study things in parallel or, or, uh, change up the order of things in some cases once you get past the basics and, uh, and still have good mastery of the subject. But with mathematics, oh boy. <laughs> I was wondering. I know, but see, the thing is, is that it's two very different parts of the brain, too. So, mm-hmm. like, people are quite, like, kind of look at me a little cockeyed, like, but wait, you teach math, but wait, you're an artist? Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> sure, it does. <laughs> math informs art, math informs all arts. It's music, may very especially, but yeah. uh, visual art. Yeah, I was, a, uh, I was a music major and a math minor myself. Ooh, so, when yeah, I discovered well, that you yourself were. Music and math definitely go together. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I discovered that you were a teacher, I was very, very intrigued. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that was actually a, a career path that I thought about going down at one point in time. But then, you know, music and comic books kind of kept me busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good thing to keep you busy. My that, son's a musician. Oh, really? He's what, not what, really? In, as far as like a visual artist, he's uh-huh. all about playing music. What what instrument or voice? Uh, he'll play. He'll figure out how to play whatever you give him. He's played hmm. the saxophone. Guitar, mandolin, ukulele, the drums, piano. Um, yep. Sounds like a few people I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like his father. He gets that from his dad's side. His dad was a self-taught musician his whole life. That's what he did. Mm. Yep. As, as a matter of fact, all three of the other panelists that you're speaking to right now are, are that way. We each play, oh, we each awesome. play multiple like, instruments. I that part. I'm not like that. I, I learned how to play piano as a child and I mm-hmm. don't know how to read sheet music anymore. <laughs> so it didn't really stick with me where like the arts was where I definitely flourished and gravitated towards. That's one of the drawbacks of being self-taught. You can, you can go quite a ways without being exposed to formal 
procedure. But you get to a point of when you can't start. My son is having a hard time participating at school and things because he doesn't know how to read music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, see how far so, you get in math without learning how how to do a derivative, you know? Right. Someone has to tell you that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing that, you you know, the people who can just listen to a song and then just figure out how to play it without having to be shown you know, that's, it, that to me is amazing. <laughs> well, it comes out to an understanding of the circle of fifths and the mathematical relationship between the chords that way. Yes. You know, and, and uh, if you understand that intuitively, great. But if you don't, uh, you're, you flounder a lot. Well, you could, you can learn it by. Yeah, but by, you can't you learn know, it. You can be learned. <coughs> I did it one time. <laughs> Once is enough. So. Just give me a paintbrush, please. So much easier. My brain is much happier. That's a very balanced family, isn't it? Yes. Sight, so, sound, and flavor. So what What attracted my eye on Facebook uh, when I saw you uh, post was this rather remarkable uh, vintage-style Batman illustration. And uh, was that the one with the typewriter? That, yes, the giant typewriter. And the characters <coughs> yes. around it. Yeah. yeah well, I was waiting I, for the giant penny. <laughs> but yes. Well, I mean, that was Bill's signature was the oversized props. Um, it's a commission piece. Someone hired me to do that piece. And um, they were specific with one request. They wanted something that was specifically Bill Finger related. Um, so I went with this image. It's the first thing that came to mind when he said that, cause he was a writer mm-hmm. and then again, it was his concept to put the oversized prop. So it tied into everything. Now, did you happen to notice what the keys spell out? Um, I was trying to figure that yeah, one I out. I noticed that it spelled out something, but it I wasn't couldn't a, quite. It wasn't a typical quirky, um, typewriter, was it? But it... No, I put like the traditional letters on the right keys i put my own thing on the keys and i did now, not i know it's just coincidence that it says flag across the top but that's not what it's supposed to that's not what i'm referring to if you look at the keys going from the left to the right starting with the f it spells out finger do you see it oh <laughs> okay now start at the b at the bottom and go up and it says bill Oh, cool. See, you have to be going different directions. That's where we went That wrong. That was it. Oh, now I, of course, now that you point it out, it's obvious. Captain Obvious, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you nailed Bob Kane's style. <laughs> you <laughs> nailed it. And that's... You know? <laughs> that, huh? That's the only thing <clears throat> about redoing some of these you know, golden age things. It's like the art was just so crappy. <laughs> yeah, but it was, but the there was a system to it. Real off, like, uh-huh. it just, and it's hard to recreate that. Like I can understand, like I can understand. Uh, yeah. They were cranking bullet. it out on deadline okay. and but they like, had limitations of, of you know, the printing presses they were using. But it's like, you kind of do your own corrections along the way, but mm-hmm. you don't want to take too much away from it because you still want it to look like the original. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the gangsters faces, for example, you can't really see what their faces look like in the panel from the comic. It's too small. Like they're kind of just blurred out. 
Mm-hmm. So you have you to know, sort of invent. Face, can't really make out what the face is. So when you blow it up to the size that it is, which is roughly three feet by three feet, you have to recreate some of the stuff that is not in detail in the image. So it's things like that. I, I don't mean to rip on them. Like they did an awesome job for their time, but you know, <laughs> well, they were, they had to do it. They had to produce it quickly. And uh, I understand that. So it's not going to be so beautiful. Like mm-hmm. the artwork that we see now, that's like at a completely different level, but it did, but it's also a different way that they mm-hmm. produce the art now than they did back in the day. Well, it's not like they didn't know how to paint proper portraits or likenesses of people. It's, I think a lot of no, it was the sure. limitation of the medium. Yes. And knowing, and, and knowing that, uh, uh, we do these, you know, my version of whatever from the golden age. Well, if know. somebody had dropped that on me and said, Oh yeah, that's Bob Kane. I wouldn't have disagreed with them. And that's, you see, that's, uh, that shows your mastery of, of, you know, seeing it and reproducing it in your own, with your own style. Not yeah. in, not your own style. Somebody else's style. So it is somebody else's style, style, but adding a little of my own flair to it just to make it a little more. Your drawing had uh, the panel in question had a certain fluid energy to it that I think was missing in a lot of the original comics. And, uh, that's, I think that's what really caught my eye. It's How just, biff. the eye, the eye is just led through the illustration from one character to the next. And, uh, it was just, it's just a treat. How much of this stuff have you done? How long have you been doing this? Um, I sold my first painting last June. So less than a year I've Good been heavens. doing this. Wow. But she's been taking art classes since she was a child. <clears throat> Well, I I stopped taking formal art classes when I was 19. You were um, studying and, math, presumably. Well, I mean, as I, you know, when I graduated high school, I took a couple art classes, but I decided not to go to the traditional route of going to college right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to take a different route. And then that led me to moving to Florida and getting married and having a child and, and then going back to college and finding a career so I can raise my child and have a family. You know, my path was taken away from the art. I mean, I did creative stuff throughout the years, but nothing like what I'm doing now. I, I, this is, you know, this is totally bringing me back to my roots of, of what really made me happy when I was growing up. And that was producing works of art that people enjoy and that I enjoy making. It's, um, it's been quite a journey, but it's awesome. I, I have, like I said, I have a lot of fun with it. Now, is there a particular style of art that you, you do normally, or are you, do you tend to lean, be, lean towards uh, comic book related material? Uh, I, I, the stuff that I have done has been a mixture. Um, I've been doing some realistic stuff. Um, I did a watercolor of a tiger lily that's, it looks exactly like a tiger lily, so realism. Um, and I do some abstract stuff. Um, I, you know, right now I'm focusing on the comic stuff because that's what people want. That's what they want to see. That's what they want to buy. So that's what I do right now. Um, you know, and I, I think of stuff that would be fun to do. Like today, this morning, for whatever reason, I'm like, you know, Swamp Thing is such an interesting character. Like, I loved the movie because I didn't 
grow up reading comics. I loved the movie, the first one, Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should do a Swamp Thing. But then again, it's still comic related. But I have something that's a little different in mind on how I want to, you know, change a little bit here and there to make it a little more unique. So like things like that. So I'll get inspired from things that I've seen in that medium. I'm working on a flower right now with a hummingbird. So that's going to be very realistic. So I try to keep it a full spectrum when I'm working. Do you work in, uh, do you work in gouache or acrylic or what's your favorite medium? Um, I've been using mainly acrylic. Yeah. I tried gouache once and I found it akin to trying to paint with a brick dipped in dye. It's yeah. It's very, it's, unforgiving it just yes. the most unforgiving medium i've ever tried and that's saying something yeah i like the acrylic it blends really nicely the watercolors are really nice too i i really enjoy doing the tiger lily um and that is done with watercolor but you if you look at it it doesn't really look like a watercolor even though it's done with watercolor the only part that really kind of looks like that washy watercolor are the leaves in the background it's uh it's pretty cool to see, <laughs> but um, I've seen wa- I've seen I, I watercolor used. Stay to the ones that you can thin mm-hmm. out, though. The, gua- the gouache doesn't thin out very nicely, like you said. No, it's it, it's like it's the, so, uh, like you said, unforgiving. The, col- the color <laughs> is either there or it isn't, and yeah. you have to plan everything in such meticulous detail. Like you have to paint the whole thing in your head before you before right. the brush goes to paper or yeah. or canvas, whatever it is you're using. That might work for, you know, the old comic book style where everything is a very distinct color and there wasn't all the blending going on. Right, because they they couldn't really reproduce that with the printing block Mm -hmm. or whatever machine that they were using to run off the colors. There's only so many colors you can use. Well, and that gets back to how the art was affected by the medium. There was only so much you could do because you had to rely on... uh, Half tones. Palette. It was a simple palette that they had to work with. And again, I understand that. I mean, again, not to rip on them. I know the circumstances around producing. But again, it's you, when you see it, you want to see a little more. Mm-hmm. Me being an artist, that's the way I, I want to see a little more coming out of it. Yeah, they didn't really have a chance to do that kind of right. um, blending of colors until the graphic novel started coming out in the uh, in the eighties. And they really started doing that a lot with like, uh, I'm thinking Paul Galassi, um, um, on well, a f- couple of other artists who just had some really lovely, almost ethereal, uh, pictures, paintings that basically they were right. paintings. Well, that was very stunning, but she also had, um, upgrades in printing methods that yes, made exactly. it possible. Uh, that definitely made it possible. <laughs> now, you know, I was talking about artists. Are you, um, Athena, are you, uh, inspired or do you tend to find yourself emulating any particular, classical or or more contemporary artists or artists that you really do appreciate and try to emulate? Currently, not really. I'm kind of just all over the place right now. I went through a Picasso phase. Really like his work. I like the obscurity of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of, it's sad to say, but I kind of live in my own bubble. I don't want to be, you know really influenced by anyone Mm -hmm. i see tons of art though i mean i love going to museums don't think that i don't experience art it's just i don't really want to be influenced by anyone i just want to be able to go with it with my own feeling and and see what happens and let it be organic 
So you might look at a particular image and go, oh, I like how they did that, or how can I reproduce that particular effect and and go try it yourself or something yeah, like that. I'm one that. of those crazy people that gets like an inch away from the painting and like all the security guards scare at me because they think that I'm going to like do something. That you're going to spit like, on it or something. What's happening on the canvas. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been pulled away from paintings by security guards once or twice myself. <laughs> I'm glad to know I'm Please not Please do one. not spit <laughs> on the paintings. Breathe on the paintings. Yeah, they 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 get real nervous when you get that close. But you you know you you have to if if you want to see how the brush strokes worked. Well, bring yes, next and the time. layers. How did they layer it? What, what did they start with? What where did they finish? What did they leave out? That's the thing that I've noticed is that as I'm doing things like we're always toughest on ourselves being artists, right? We always critique ourselves extremely hard. So I was noticing certain things in my pieces that I wasn't extremely happy about. And I'm like, it, it can't be this way. And I'm like, it just, it, it throws me off. But then I went and I looked at some beautiful arts work and I'm like, you can see what they did underneath all of that still. It doesn't matter. Like, why are you stressing? Like you'll make it work. So it's, it's that kind of stuff. Like I really do. I try to, I try to look at what, what they did and, and how it pulled up, you know, why, how did it put, you know, work, pull off whatever image they're looking at or creating, um, things like that. I, 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 I do a lot of, you know, kind of like reality check type things, you know, cause I, I can't be so hard on myself. I have to allow it to be, what it is. What and you were saying. Oh, there's about... one more thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> She's just as likely to be, you know, doing a close up and breathing on the flower in your garden as <laughs> yes. <laughs> anything else. Or maybe the TV when Batman's on. I don't know. <laughs> I saw that one with Adam West, the uh, picture. That was fun too. You know, we were talking before about um, the things with regard to your grandfather, uh, some of the care- people asking you to uh, uh, draw or, or paint, rather, uh, some of his creations. And I found, and I was looking and I discovered that he, uh, besides creating Lana Lang, and of course the whole giant props in his stories and whatnot, he also created Ace the Bat Hound and Batmite, mm-hmm. Clayface, Betty Kane, and the All Winners Squad. And yep. something that I really found was very inter- very interesting to me was that although National Comics didn't give him credit, uh, all American comics did. So he got credit. He got co credit on Green Lantern, the Alan yeah, Scott Green really? Lantern, for example. Yes. Um, and also, Wildcat. It all, exactly, Wildcat and, and Sensation Number One, and, and moving forward from there. But he was on he was on Green Lantern for seven years, I think it was. Heavens. Yeah, Green Lantern. Alan Scott happens to be my favorite outside of Superman. My favorite character. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, the original Green Lantern, mm-hmm. back when back when his power came from the heart of a star. Yes. And he, and he could not combat wood. For, yeah, that was, oh. that was the strangest, strangest idea for a, uh, a superpower weakness. Just that he couldn't, couldn't manage wood for some reason. You know, they that's they did kind of refer to that in Doctor Who, not you know, in the past few years. Oh, that's true. The sonic screwdriver doesn't work on wood either. Mm-hmm. Any kind of technology, but not wood. <laughs> <laughs> that, Maybe because the living, breathing, 
Yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah, yeah, anything organic, really. They had yeah. to had to single out wood. They couldn't say like it doesn't work on dogs or spaghetti or you know <laughs> wool. They had to single out wood. I don't know. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> See, your grandfather had a rather long and illustrious career as a comic book writer. Yes, he did. And and this was back in a time when telling anybody that you wrote for comics was not necessarily a good thing. No, it was frowned upon. It was, you, you definitely were at the bottom if you were writing for comics. I think it would probably blow his little mind if he even thought that people would still remember this stuff this many decades along. Oh, I'm sure he would mm-hmm. be completely blown away about that. To go from that particular position to being one of the people who was listed as uh, one of the 50 who made DC Comics great, for example, uh, to have the the Bill Finger Award, which I believe uh, Jerry Robinson created uh, in his honor uh, 13, 14 years ago. Who who presents that now? Um, Presenting it, I think Mark Wade is presenting it, but every year at the San Diego Comic-Con. The last name is Evanier. Mark Mark Evanier. Mark Evanier, Evanier, yes. Okay, I had the wrong Mark. But uh, yeah, every year at San Diego Con, they present an award uh, of the Bill Bill Finger Award, uh, one to a a writer who has passed, mm-hmm. and one to a, a current working writer. Uh, so you can come home and say, I, "San Diego Comic Con gave me the finger," and <laughs> and it's a good thing. <laughs> yes, um, I've actually I went out last year to present, and I went back in 2014 for the 75th anniversary and presented. Oh, nice. For the 75th anniversary, there were actually three recipients of the Bill Finger Award. (laughs) That's true, yes. That particular year, yes. There were three. And then... um, I I can't imagine the crowd's reaction to you giving out that award. That that had to have been a moment. It was really... It was... um, I was so nervous. <laughs> I figure it's I figure you're just you. You're used to you, but to them it's a touch of the magic, you know? It's It was it was exactly that. And you know what's so crazy is in 2014 the man who did the Yellow Submarine won the Bill Finger award and my son is such a huge huge Beatle fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Peter Max? I have no footage the of writer. him. Oh, the writer. Three playing drums to the Yellow Submarine playing on VHS behind him, and he's singing along and playing on this tiny little kit. I oh, mean, for goodness' sake! And Benjamin was there that year also for the award ceremony. So it was like this really magical thing. The whole thing. I mean, it was just to die for. It really was, <laughs> and to have the whole Beatle thing tied in there for my kid, it just was over the top. <laughs> so now, are you uh, a part of? Are you? Be, uh, will you moving forward be a part of the annual? Um, award ceremony? Yes. I am going to be actively going and presenting. Oh, that's delightful. That's fantastic. Well, we gotta go buy a dinner or something if you're gonna be... Oh, that would be wonderful. It'd be great to meet you. Yeah. Well, I am gonna be out there. I tried to get a table to, you know, sell my art and stuff, but I I waited too long and they didn't approve me, so I have to put in the application for next year. (laughs) I'll still be out there. Like I said, I'm mm-hmm. going to come out and do the award ceremony. And, you know, I have friends that are out there every year. So maybe one of them will want me to do a panel or something. So I don't know yet. It's still up in the air. So <laughs> that'd be nice. That's that's the that's the best deal. It's oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. The smaller conventions are actually more fun, in my opinion. You can 
you can spend more time actually talking to people. There's less, yeah. uh, there's less hocus pocus going on with respect to, uh, tactics and logistics. And, well, and the, and the smaller comics conventions are more about comics and not media, pop media extravaganzas. You know, which is yeah. true. I prefer the smaller ones myself. Um, you know, I, they're more appreciative, even if five people show up. You know, and I've I've had people just come because I'll go to this tiny little con that's only one day for four hours <laughs> in the middle of nowhere in the north of you know Orlando, mm-hmm. just to come and talk to them. You know that that's what it's about. It's not about the show. It really isn't. I don't like it when it's too showy. Yeah, well, it's, you can only see so many fourteen foot Funko Pop statues. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It, well, it gets to be a bit overwhelming. There's just so many people and just so much stuff and so much going on. Like, it's just too much at times. But, again, some of that is really fun, though, and, like, seeing the crowds and being part of that and the excitement and just the, the love of the everything that has to do with whatever is there because there's so many different things that are there. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's an experience. It really is, and it's it's been one every time I go, no matter which con I go to. So do you see yourself becoming involved in more sequential storytelling in the near future? Or uh, you're working on uh, individual consignments and things like that, or individual uh, 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 commissions. But do you see yourself working on something like, oh, I don't know. A comic book? <laughs> a graphic novel, maybe? Um, well, I'm still waiting to hear back from Kevin Smith. Um, I was recently interviewed on his podcast fat man on batman and um i did a painting for him as a gift for having me on the show and i did a cover of daredevil one of the ones that he wrote um and he absolutely loved it and freaked out when he saw it and he's like we got to do a comic together (laughs) so Maybe something in the future will be happening. I don't know. I'm still waiting to hear if that's going to happen or not. Kevin Smith, call her back. <laughs> you're, you're missing out. Any Kevin. Kevin Kevin Eastman, it's call not, her back. Well, you know, we have to get it run through the right channels. He's done his part. Now we're just waiting to hear back. Okay. Oh, okay. You know? So it's it's actually it's he's actually doing something. He's not just wasn't just party I mean, talk. I'd say that it's happening or not happening. I know that he, you know, said he was going to reach out to somebody, which he did, and now mm-hmm. we're just waiting to see what what happens. So, you know, it's the waiting game. Well, that's awesome. Everybody's busy. <laughs> oh, it sure is. Do you have any books coming out in uh, in the near future? Somewhere on the the math book. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got my notes published, my lecture notes, oh, <laughs> so really? my students can get them. <laughs> Al- Algebra two with Batman pictures. You know that would that would. Sound. No, actually, I put the painting of the tiger lily on the front of one of them. <laughs> oh. oh, that's that's a nice. Touch. Oh, very nice. You know, I noticed uh, online now. This, of course, didn't happen when when I was in college, but uh, over the past, I guess, maybe five ten years. Uh, students can actually now rate their teachers online, oh, yeah. and I've seen and I saw postings because when I was I was looking to see okay well I'd like to learn more about you. Um, <laughs> I saw this uh, Athena, Athena finger uh, attached to is it, is it pronounced Broward College? 
Broward. Broward, Broward College in, in Florida. And I like, oh, I wonder if it's the same person. And they're going on, oh, she's a fantastic teacher. You know, that, you know, it's a fast paced class. Uh, she's really great. Uh, this kind of thing. I'm like, well, this is very cool. And then I finally found something else that connected the two of you. I'm like, oh, this is the same person. So she does art <laughs> and she's a teacher. This is really fantastic. And apparently a good one. Yes. On, on both, on both counts. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Your, your pictures that I've seen of yours are, are, are amazing. They're very, very well, stunning. Thank you. <laughs> I, now I think yeah. the tiger lily is the next super heroine. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> well, I painted out tiger lilies are my favorite. When I was growing up, my mom had beautiful gardens that would bloom and tiger lilies were everywhere. And I loved them. They were just so beautiful. And there were just so many of them, just fields of orange. And so I, I just, it came to me and I, I had to paint it. I was like, I got to do this. <laughs> Oh, it's always amazing when, when something that something like that just calls to you and says, you need to do this. Yeah, well, you know, this is a funny story. So the Batmite painting, the first one that mm-hmm. I did with the, uh, with the pink background with the ha-ha-ha on it. Now, that came to me one day. I'm like, I got to do Batmite. You know, my grandfather created this stupid little character. For whatever reason, I have to paint this character, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. So I was talking to my friend, and my friend was like, no, don't do it. You're going to be stuck carrying around this painting forever. Like, Mm. just don't even bother. (laughs) I talked to another friend of mine. I want to do this painting in the Batmite. Yeah, you get Awesome. You got to do that right away. Paint it. People are going to love it. You got to paint it. All right, so 50-50 split, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We go to one of these small cons up near Orlando, and we're talking to another friend of his. And he's like, you know, she wants to do a, a Batmite painting. He's like, no, don't do that. Nobody will buy that. That's just ridiculous. Like, just don't do it. <laughs> well, you love it or you hate it, obviously. There's no no mm-hmm. middle ground. I'm like, okay. I'm going to ask one more person. I asked another person. They're like, yes, you have to do it. I'm like, that's it. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've... I've- Pulled up, um, oh, pulled up the tweet. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable! <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, that is absolutely fun. I think I think Paul Rubens so, did the um, voice of Batmite in the cartoons. Let's uh, maybe you can sell it to him. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, is that okay? So I finished the painting, right? Mm-hmm. I posted on Facebook. Oh, look at this thing that I just painted! You know, less than twenty four hours, I sold the damn thing. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> My friend was like, no. Way I'm like I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know hipsters who are just too hip to like Batmite. Exactly, and the person who purchased it is a huge Batmite fan. Loves the character. He's like, it's so frustrating. It's really hard to find collectibles of this character. This is going in my collection. Like, send it to me now. And I'm like, done. It's yours. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. The um, I'm looking at the uh, the uh, cover that you did of of uh, Daredevil, the Man Without Fear, that that ended up in the hands of uh, Kevin Smith, and that's yes. you ha- you have your own you know you have your own style, and it's no it's, wonder uh, he loved it. That's, yeah, oh yeah. This is this is yeah. This I was stuff. really proud of that one. That one I knocked out in four days, but I mean it's just black and red. It's not like well, yeah, super like complicated. But in four days, I knocked that out because I was headed to L.A. And I was like, oh, my God, I have, like, literally five days to do this painting. I was in the middle of a commission job. 
I, I stopped doing the commission job to like knock this out because I'm like, I got to bring something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people would just buy a bottle of wine. Not you. No. <laughs> oh, no. The very first one that I did um, when I fir- the first Batman related painting I ever did was for Michael Uslan. Really? Yes. And I did it. Um, it's a portrait of the Michael Keaton Batman. You should be able to see that one online, too. It should be in my pictures on Facebook. Yeah, I think I, I think I found it. it. It's got a really like kind of a watercolor feel to it. It's um, and it's not an acrylic, but that's that's really what started the whole thing. I was working on that one and the, the Tiger Lily at the same time. And again, the one, the Batman one, I wanted to get done quickly because I was seeing, I was hopefully seeing Michael at the um, premiere for the Lego Batman movie. (laughs) Unfortunately, he wasn't there, but I ended up giving it to him at a different time. Um, But I only had so much time to bring it to LA with me, and so I had to like finish that one quickly. No, that's the. That one came out beautiful. Also, that's the great advantage of working working in acrylic. It may lack working time, but boy, does it dry fast. Oh, you know, so I, I mean, oils, you would be weeks doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no. And I love oil painting, um, but it's true. It takes a long time, depending on how thick you keep the paint or how watered down you make the paint. The oil painting is just, it, it's too time consuming for this kind of art. If I want to do something that's serious, that's going to take me a long time, I, I might consider going back to oil. Now I'm I'm going through. I looked at some pictures, and I see a graveyard scene. With, a graveyard scene. It looks like uh, with Felix the cat. Is that? Oh, like <laughs> that's just guys? from online. I'm a big Felix the cat. Oh, fan. as am as am I, as am I. <laughs> I have a huge tattoo of Felix the cat on my back. It was the first tattoo I ever got. Oh, for goodness' sake! <laughs> awesome. And I stole it from a cover of a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. That's a that's a great picture, though. Absolutely, absolutely adore Felix the Cat. Oh, I love it. Yes, <laughs> I'm all about Halloween. Like that's the thing I grew up with. I didn't grow up with the comic genre. I grew up with mm-hmm. watching all the horror movies in the '80s. Mm-hmm. And my dad started taking me to horror movies when I was a baby. I mean, that's I, that's what I grew up with. And so when I saw that Felix the Cat with the you know the corpses coming out of the ground, I'm like, yes, perfect. Wayne <laughs> Dexter. Oh my gosh. Well, he's got all the brains. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Felix. Brains. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I am absolutely overjoyed that we got a chance to, to speak with you. It's This is a rare treat. We, we well, talked to... Thank you for having me on. I, this is a lot of fun. I still want to see a Batman algebra book. <laughs> there is one. DC. There is one? There is one. It's not algebra. It's fifth grade math, but there is. It's a. I have it in my collection. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> There's a Superman one too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. Our guest has been the granddaughter of Bill Finger, Miss Athena Finger. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to episode 191 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for February 10th, 2018. We have been honored to have with us as our guest this week, none other than Athena Finger, 
comic artist, math professor, and granddaughter of Bill Finger, the co-creator of Batman. Our panelists today have been Gene Turnbow, Susan Fox, and Krypton Radio Comics columnist Mike Price, who writes The Four-Color Bullet. If you liked this week's episode and you would like to hear more of them, please visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and chip in. There is no national public radio fund coming to our rescue each month. That comes from you, the listeners, directly. You may also make one-time donations via our PayPal button at the top of the site or click on the Buy Us a Coffee button at kryptonradio.com. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The Navigator was Christine Cherry. The Science Officer was science fiction illustrator Mark Schirmeister. The Engineer was Christian B. McGuire. And the Captain was voiced by none other than the legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents are copyright 2018 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.